0: Lord, for grace, for grace that is amazing, that saved a wretch like me, Lord, for I too was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see, and I thank you for that grace, Lord. Asking for your mercy today upon every need, upon every person, on every life. You bring healing, deliverance, salvation, wherever it's needed, Lord. Touch hearts, touch lives, touch that sinner that's near as hell today. Or don't let them be lost. I'd never want to stand there even in judgment and accuse another. Father, because of the mercy given to me and the love shown, Lord, we certainly don't want to see not one person fail to make it. Your little bride around the world. I pray that you'll stir their hearts, Lord. You'll turn them, Lord, back to faith again to believe in. Lord, may our hearts, Lord, burn within us today because you step out and walk with us, talk with us, reveal yourself. As we read the word, Lord, will you just open it to us in our understanding? I stand here as just a mere mortal. I can do nothing in myself. Lord, with a little education I got, I can read the Scripture. But then it'll take you, Father, to anoint the Word. Lord, send it right like an arrow to its mark. I pray, dear Father, that you'll do it. Lord, you know the needs that different ones have and situations in their lives. There's some needs, a real answer from you today. I pray, oh God, that you'll answer that request within their heart. You know the needs of your children, Lord, and you care. We don't believe, Father, that you just went away and after sending a message so wonderful, so perfect, so vindicated, opened the eyes of the blind, healed the sick, cast out devils, raised the dead, did all the miraculous to draw our attention, to stir our hearts, and then just go back into heaven and forget it all. We believe that you're here, Lord we see you moving in our midst Lord we know God you're breaking chains that you're opening the eyes of the blind and you're setting prisoners free Lord that that the spirit of the Lord is upon us anointing us oh God to bring words of life to your people that will set them free to serve the living God now I pray Father that you'll anoint us today let your word go forth in power Lord, don't let me get in the flesh. I don't want to be in the flesh. I want to be in the spirit. Don't let me say things, Lord, out of my own my own vindictiveness or some way that I, I I shouldn't have, Lord, but may it be out of love and out of concern and out of out of standing for righteousness in this evil day. As I said, Lord, anoint my lips to speak and give us hearing ears, Lord. Because somebody's got to hear what the Spirit says to the church. And I believe, Lord, that the Spirit is speaking expressly. Lord, so speak today. Oh, God, may we be like Isaiah in the temple and say, Lord, speak, my Lord. Here I am I to answer thee. Take the cold from the altar. Touch our lips. Touch our ears. Touch our understanding. Purge us, Lord, and cleanse us in your presence. Meet the needs of your children we ask in jesus name as we commit this service to you now lord before us is the word of god we will read it with reverence with honor respect we will stand lord as we read it as one would honor the flag of the united states and of their country we will stand in honor to the word of god because that's who our allegiance to And today we pledge our allegiance to the word of God, to which it stands, Lord, for the body of Christ that you've given around the world. We surrender ourselves to you, Father, in all that we are, in Jesus' name. And Father, if I fail to tell you I love you, I want you to know I love you with all my heart. And I'm here, Lord, to serve you today. Thank you for the salvation. I thank you for caring for me. I thank you for your love to your children. So minister to our hearts today. May it be, Lord, today the bridegroom just speaks to his bride, tells her once again that she's chosen, ordained, called for purpose. And Lord, you define to us what you want us to be. We will not be like Israel of all that say, just tell us and we'll do it because we can't. Put your Holy Spirit in us so we can't. Because it's only by the power of the Holy Ghost that we can live a Christian life. It's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Thank you for coming, for being here, for being a part with us. And pray praying the Lord will bless you in a special way today and honor his word as we read it together. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22. And I ask for your prayers today. I hope you have been praying for me as we approach uh, the services that we can, you know, find the very mind of God and to speak on some things. There's some things here that... I have um, been pondering on and thinking about and actually has been laying in my heart for now for probably the last year or better, and, um, and, and actually, I could actually go back to the starting of this series on the people of the book, and even some of the prayers that I prayed while I was at Israel and at Shiloh, and um, praying for the barren women, the barren church. And um, because there's got to be somebody in this day that brings forth Jesus Christ back to the earth. We have perpetuated the ages as it was coming down through seven. We can't go any further. There's no more. And, you know, some will say, well, we're now in, in the bright age. This Laodicean age is the bright age. That's what the message produced was a bright age. A place where there will be a bride without spot or wrinkle or blemish. So Ephesians 5.22 is where we'll begin reading this morning. And um, so we will speak some things today. And I I don't want to just come across harsh or dogmatic or, uh, you know, some vindictive way. I want to say lots of things in the spirit of love, but um, I, I pray that that the love of God will help correct us and keep us on, on the straight and narrow path as the body of Christ. I speak to you as a congregation, and I speak to those around the world who are listening in as well. And, and may the bride of Christ, wherever you are, be touched today by the word. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, As unto the Lord, for as the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Notice now the purpose of him giving himself his own blood, shedding his life dying on the cross was that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having the spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies he that loveth his wife loveth himself. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to be speaking today on the resurrection of a virgin bride. And we're going to, we're going to deal quite a bit with the virginity of the church and what she has been prepared and called for in this age and this time. Now, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God had a very special reason and purpose for the earth. And that was that he might put his life upon it. And in fact, the matter is, it would be that heaven would come down in the form of a paradise. And and there, God would reproduce himself in his sonship and in a son of god which would be in his likeness so we could look upon the earth that god created the earth as a womb where god's seed could be manifested within the earth god by his word he planted seeds of life he commanded let the earth um, bring forth grass and their herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And he brought up bird life, animal life, and told each to be fruitful and multiply. And, and, the, and the womb of the earth again brought forth life. And then he brooded upon the earth and brought, as we said, heaven down to earth in a, as a Eden, a paradise. And God ultimately brought a man in his own image from the dust, from the womb of the earth. And this man was made to portray God's image and his likeness. So, you know, so then that he would portray God's image and likeness. He God had a a bigger plan than just Adam and Eve, but he wanted a family. And so these were to be the first of a, of a race, of a God race. And of course, we, we know in order to do this, that uh, God would not only want to express himself in and, and his fatherhood, but he would also want to express himself in his sonship. And so, you know, as he did, he would make man to portray God's image and his likeness. So then, and, and portraying his likeness, I want to get this thought to you that out of this man would come a woman. And, and as the earth was to be the womb for seeds of life, so was the woman to be the womb for life. But there was another suitor. As you know, in this story of redemption, a deceiver, a slicker, who also, he wanted to wound. You see, he wanted to be God and he wanted to be worshiped also. And he wanted to reproduce himself, but having no life within himself, he could only do this by a perverted life, by perverting the life that God had already placed upon the earth. And so he doesn't work on, you know, go and start working on Mars and Juniper or, uh, or, um, or Jupiter or, or uh, Venus or some far off planet or universes that are billions and billions of light years away as they tell us they are. He began to work right here upon the earth. Because here he was going to work and, and, and try to get the womb of the earth to bring forth a perverted life his own life and and so sin would enter into the earth by perversion and that would be by perverting the word of god by getting a uh, god's son and daughter to doubt god's promise and god's word now sin or unbelief is the seed of the old serpent it is unbelief uh, unbelief is the word perverted, changed into lie, and from sin would come every kind of heartache, adultery, and fornication, and cleanliness, and lasciviousness, and idolatry, and witchcraft, and hatred, and variance, and emulation, and wrath, and strife, and seditions, and heresies, and envy, and murders, and drunken and re- and revellings and so you know from and from Eve's womb now this this womb that God would give Adam to to bring forth life from which would come by the spoken word and then you know would again would the dust would be formed around it like Jesus was in the dust of, of Mary's womb but Cain, you know, from, the, from um, Eve's womb would now come not just the, the life, but a perverted life. And that perverted life would come from a perverted word. And, and Cain was of that wicked one. And then, of course, from there would also come Abel. And, and then Abel would be killed by Cain, and then Seth would be raised up in Abel's place. And out of these two now came the seed of the serpent. The Bible said he was of that wicked one. And, and then Seth, who was of, of the lineage of, of Adam, here would come two separate peoples. And they would have two very separate genealogies. And they would be kept apart by God. But then in Noah's day, these two races identified as Cain's children, the sons of men, and and Seth's children, the sons of God, would mix and meld together. And this would bring evil to its height. in the days of Noah, and it would cause God to destroy the earth with a flood. And from there, God would, he would have to start all over. And of course, the earth would go through its first stage of redemption, which would be a baptism with water. And and God would begin to seek a godly seed. And he would call a man by the name of Abraham. And out of Abraham, of course, would come a woman. And that would be Israel. And Israel would be the womb from which would bring the man seed, Jesus Christ. Are you following me? Are you with me now? So because again, God would need a womb to bring forth his son. He would need an earth as a womb to bring forth life. Amen, he would need, you know, Adam would need a womb to bring forth to life, to reproduce again, again, we we would see that the serpent would need a womb also. And he would come with a perverted seed in order to bring forth a perverted life. Now, so, so again, now God begins to work because he still has in his mind to bring forth a Messiah, to bring forth a second Adam, to bring forth one in his image to again have a God race and that is not mixed up, but something that is, is, is pure and sinless and perfect. Is somebody with me now? And so God would call Abraham and, and out of, out for the purpose out of Abraham there would come a, a woman and out of that woman Israel there would come a Messiah. Now, and so a nation would rise. Now, Sarah would portray um, Israel as a, because she would be a very old woman when this, when this seed would come forth. And you know that, that um, and this old woman Israel, and, and, and stay with me just a minute, kind of follow my line of thinking, this old woman Israel who after turning, returning from Babylon, she would be renewed like Sarah was of old in order to bring forth the man-child, the Messiah. And then out of that seed, Christ, out of that seed, Christ, he would have a woman. He would produce a womb that he could reproduce himself. The church, and this church is to be bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And power is power and life of his life. Now, this woman Israel was to be a womb that God could bring forth his likeness, the second Adam. Now, we remember that God chose her for a wife. She was to be his womb through the seed would come. Now, David would reflect him and Isaiah would reflect him, but they were not the seed that he had in mind. His seed was to bring forth the son in his own image. Now and so he, there, we, but he would marry. He would marry Israel at fifty days after the Passover, after they left Egypt, fifty days at the first Pentecost. There he would covenant himself with the woman Israel. He would become married to her. She was to be a womb from which the seed would come. Right. Amen. But the devil knows this. And the devil's watching everything that he's doing. And the devil wants that womb too. To bring forth his own perverted life from. So he's following right along to bring his perversion. Remember the two spirits will be so close in the last day. It would deceive the very elect if it were possible. That was how they intertwined all the way down. We could go down to the twins, starting in heaven, Michael and Lucifer, the twins on earth, which, which, was, the, which was the serpent, a man-like creature, and Adam. Then the twins that followed there, a Cain and an Abel. The twins that would come forth there in Abraham's day, two sons, you know, uh, Ishmael, a wild seed, and and Isaac, the true seed, the seed of the promise, the seed of faith. And then we could go right on down, we could look at Jacob and Esau, more twins again. And on down and on, because every revival produces twins. And don't forget that this revival also will produce twins. Yes, exactly. Because Satan is looking for the womb to try to bring forth his own life, a perverted life, a perverted message, a perverted Christianity. Now, so God would take this woman, Israel, out of whom he had called as a nation. And he would remind her in, and um, I believe this is in Ezekiel 16, where he would remind her, yes, Ezekiel 16. He would remind Israel how he called her from the heathens. And man, saying that birth, that nativity of, of what was of the land of Canaan, and that father was an Amorite, and a mother a Hittite, and and he tells of, of, of her he, how he called her out of the heathens to be a people unto himself, to be a virgin woman, to be a church that would be a womb to him that he could bring forth his life. Amen, because there had to come one, the serpent bruiser who would bruise the head of the serpent and it would have to come through a virgin Now, as an infant nation, with starting with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and his twelve sons, God would care for her, as He and described her, finding her like an abandoned child, and whose navel was not cut. None pitied them, and and was rejected. Was as a rejected, unwanted infant, cast into an open field. And he said, nobody wanted you. You know, you would have died out there. You'd have never survived. I called you out of the heathen and you'd have never made it. But I come along and I pitied you. Amen. I passed by you. Ezekiel 16, 6, when I passed by you and I saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee when thou was in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou was in thine own blood, live. You see, it was the word that came from God that gave them life. Amen. It was that word that protected them. It was that word that sustained them when they were an infant nation. Amen. And, they, and, he, and he gave them life because he breathed upon them when they, were, when they were an infant, dying, abandoned, unwanted people. And God called her out of the, of the nations. Amen. Out of the heathen. Remember, remember, Abraham was a Gentile. Remember, he was a heathen. Amen. Remember, he had to be taught about one God. He had to be taught how to worship. Remember, he, he was and there in their infancy. God watched over them. God looked after them. God cared them. He called them out to make them a people for his namesake. And they grew into a nation. And Ezekiel sixteen seven said, I caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, and thou hast increased and waxen great, and thou art come to excellent ornaments, thy breast or fashion, thy hair is grown wherein thou wast naked and bare. In other words, I watched you mature. I watched you grow up. And, and, and he says, where you were naked and bare, yea, I swear unto thee, And I entered into a covenant. I entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord, and thou becamest mine. Notice what he said. I I found you, uh, you know, and I established you and I called you out of a people to be mine. Amen, and then I waited till you grow up, until you mature, and I was gonna take you for a bride, and I entered into a covenant with you. I swore to you, and I, you became mine. Amen. Amen. Why? Because God wanted her as a womb to bring forth himself, to bring forth his own life. Yes, sir. Yeah. Amen. Now, Ezekiel goes on to talk about her, how she became rich then and a great nation, self-assured and self-independent and and no longer needed to rely upon God and wanted to be like the other nations and became a whorish woman. In Jeremiah 3, he spoke of her as one who became a polluted woman. She played the harlot with many lovers and polluted the land with her whoredoms, yet he pleaded with her, turn, O backsliding children. Saith the Lord, for I am married to you and I'll take you one of a city and two of a family and I'll bring you to Zion. Amen, I I will restore, I'm married to you. I want to restore you. She's carried off to Babylon and God brought her back. Why? Why did God do all of that? Why would he go and, and, and wait, seemingly waste all the effort on a nation that had been taken away as slaves into a foreign land? Why not forget about them? Like all the other Philistines disappeared. Right. Amen. Amen. All the other nations disappeared. They got swallowed up in the sword. But, but why Israel? Why was Israel restored? Why did God work upon her? He needed a womb to bring forth his offspring. And finally, from a remnant of Israel, within that nation, there came a virtuous woman. I want to get this to you for a moment. A, a virtuous woman, a virtuous church, whom he could give his seed. We know, we know the names of some of that virgin church. There was Simeon, Anna, Elizabeth, Zechariah, Mary, Joseph, just to name a few, and there was others who were waiting for the consolation of Israel. There was more than them. There were unnamed people called shepherds in the field to whom God, the angels of God, could appear to. Are you with me? Amen. And it would be to this little virgin group of believers that the word would come. Amen. That the message would come. Amen. Here again, the message would come, which would be glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, and my goodwill toward men. Here I am. I found the people. Hallelujah! That has the faith to bring forth the Messiah. I found a virgin woman. Amen. More than Virgin Mary, but a virgin church that out of her could come a deliverer. Now to this little virgin group of believers came the word, the seed, a man child that was born of the virgin. God took on flesh so that out of Christ, now really remember, he has a purpose of bringing the man forth. Just like he had a purpose to bring Abraham. It was so that out of him would come a woman, a womb. There was Adam in the beginning, but out of him would come a woman, a womb. Somebody follow me? Amen. So now, again, he would do the same. He would have a church, and she would bring forth... what all the scriptures what all the prophecies had prophesied what David had prophesied Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel what Sarah typed out what Esther, every one of them was pointing to this Messiah and Jesus would be the fulfillment and the embodiment of every word of promise that would be manifested in a little small virgin group of people who would receive a Messiah, the man-child. But his whole purpose of bringing him forth was that out of him would come a womb, a woman, a church, which he could bring forth himself, his offspring, more of the God race than Jesus. Are you with me now? So there put him to sleep as he did Adam. Out of Christ would come the elements to make a bride, water, blood, and spirit. So that a church, a womb could be born that could reproduce him. And on the day of Pentecost in the upper room, he coveted in marriage this church. She was a virgin. Untouched by man. A pure virtuous church. Amen. I can say she was without a spot or wrinkle. Amen. And Paul, Paul is clear. Paul is clear about this woman. He said she is a virtuous church. Amen. She is a church. Listen, let me tell you something, friends. If there wasn't more to be manifested, if God hadn't wanted her just for another womb for more to come, are you with me? They could have been raptured back then. They were a seed church. They were a mature church. Hallelujah. And Paul is clear about what happened with Eve in the garden and used it to foretell what would happen in the church. He said, now, he said, here we got a virtuous church, a spotless church. Amen. She don't have any false doctrines. There's nothing sealed to her book. Her book isn't closed. The inheritance is open. She has the abstract title. She's got the correct baptism. Amen. She don't have creeds of man. There's never been a wrong seed ever entered her. She is not perverted. She is solely belongs to Christ. But... 2 Corinthians 11, 12, but for I am jealous over you. I keep guarding you. I'm doing everything I can, to, you know, here to keep you with jealousy, with godly jealousy. 2 Corinthians eleven two, 2, amen. Try to catch these scriptures. I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband. Get this, one husband, amen, that I may present you as what? A chaste, a pure virgin to Christ. This is my desire. This is what, you, how, you must be presented as a chaste virgin. Nothing else will work. A polluted womb won't work. Amen, I've got to have you as a chaste virgin, but I fear, lest by any means, As the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. For he that cometh preaches another Jesus. Uh Uh-oh, here's another husband. But he's an imposter. He's calling himself a savior too. He's a beguiler. He's a slicker. Come on. Whom you, another one that preaches another Jesus, whom I didn't preach, or receive another spirit. Oh, what, a spirit? Amen, which you have not received. Or another gospel. Oh my goodness, another gospel. Yet, yet, you know, it's gonna use the same Bible. It's gonna use the same words, and say, yea, hath God said. Isn't it written in the Bible? But a twist. Just a little turn, just, just enough to put a doubt there. Another gospel which you have not accepted. You might bear well with him. He said, I, I'm afraid you would give in to him. I'm really concerned about you. Amen. Now, he was jealous of the woman, the church, trying to keep her pure, for he feared she would be corrupted, lose her virginity by receiving another gospel, a seed from another spirit. And the offspring of this church, instead of being from Christ, would be of that wicked one. Amen. Amen. That wicked one would be another Jesus. All oh, bearing all similarity to this. Right. Using the word to. Right. Coming along talking about the Jesus of 2,000 years ago. Right. But when you pull the mask off of him, it's not that Jesus. He's not the same in works, the same in power, the same in holiness. He's not there. Are you with me? In the resume of the church ages, Brother Branham told us with these principles of mind, we start to trace the church to the various seven ages. The birth of the church was at Pentecost. The first Adam was given a bride fresh from the hand of God and was undefiled for a brief span. So was Christ. The second Adam given a bride pure and fresh at Pentecost, and she remained separate and undefiled for some time. And the rest, does no man joined to them, Acts 5 to 13. And the daily, the, the Lord added daily, such should be saved, Acts 2 and 47. How long this continued, we do not know. But one day, even as Eve was tempted and seduced by Satan, so the church was contaminated by the entrance of the Antichrist spirit. So here she was virgin for a time, Come on. But here comes the entrance now of an Antichrist spirit. And this is the spirit, 1 John 4 and 3. This is that spirit of Antichrist whereof ye heard that it should come. Even now, already it is in the world. So it's already, he said, it's made its entrance. Paul's got a reason to be afraid. There's another suitor. Amen, there's one that's one that before we can consummate it all, before we can bring it in to all things, before we can hear it. there's a suitor coming in, and I'm warning you, I'm warning you he will defile you. Just like the serpent defiled Eve, and you'll bring forth out of your womb a perverted child. Now, Revelation 2, 4, and 5, I have somewhat against thee, he would say to them, because thou hast left thy first love. Look, the first age, they're already losing their first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent. So already before the church gets out of the first age, she's a fallen woman. The thing that Paul feared is now already on the church. And the church is already beginning, already fallen. She's already making the moves. Now, the church, Brother Branham said, was in that first stage already a fallen woman. As Satan had got to Eve before Adam, even now Satan seduced the church, the bride of Christ, before the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. He promised her a marriage supper. He promised her a new home in the new heavens and the new earth. He promised her a honeymoon of a millennial reign. Come on, somebody. He had given her an abstract to the title deed, a clear deed, a perfect word to wash her by, to keep her clean by. Amen. But before the marriage supper, she got seduced. Now, what specifically was in the myths, was in her midst that caused the fall? Revelation 2 6, the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Already that first age had turned from following the pure word of God. They turned from God's demand of a church absolutely dependent upon him, dependent entirely upon God to fulfill his word from start to finish, apart from human government, to Nicolaitanism which is organizing a human government within the church, which is all governments do, legislate for the people. And that's what they, exactly what they did, what Israel did. And they took the expediency of human government instead of the word and the spirit. Now, so in contrast to this lovely woman, the church, who is the bride of Christ, now comes in contrast to her, stark contrast is another woman, a, this fallen woman, and she's called the great whore. Amen. Yeah. Now, just as much as there's in the Bible a pure, spotless, virgin church, Amen. there is a contaminated, defiled, whorish church. As white and pure as this one is, without spot or wrinkle, without a blemish, there is another woman. And she is filthy, lewd, a drunkard. Oh yeah, a drunkard, yet beautifully dressed, ornate. Oh my, she's she's affluent, she's wealthy. She's beautiful to look upon, but she's a murderer. Amen. Oh, brother, she's such a murderer, she'd cut her husband up in three pieces. Make him into three gods. She's such a murderer, she would take that physically and would kill 68 million who would dare to disagree with her. She's ruthless. Speaks of her in Revelation 17 as a great whore. And she sits upon many waters. And the waters are symbolic of multitudes and nations and people and tongues or languages. She, she rules many. But in the, in, in the world population, there's about three, three billion of them. And if you want to know the truth, even Islam is one of her daughters. Amen. Even Brother Branham said communism is a product, an offspring of the Catholic Church. Because of her her ways and her doings, it causes them to rise up. This woman is so lewd and, and vulgar. Though she's beautifully dressed in purple and scarlet, she's wearing gold and precious stones and pearls, but she causes the inhabitants of the earth to be drunk with mind-altering wine of abominations and filthiness of fornications. Upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And then it goes on down and said, and I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Amen. Now, this woman, who is this woman? She, too, is a church. Right. Yes. Right. Amen. Just as Paul said, you know, of a church without spot or wrinkle or blemish, this woman is a church. And she is, she is affluent. She sits on seven hills. She claims she is the first church. Amen. Right. Are you with me? Amen, she sits upon seven hills and claims to be the first church and she's the mother of the rest of the churches. On record, she's killed more than 68 million of the saints. And then in Revelation 18, you find an angel declares that this mystery woman who models after ancient Babylon is fallen. And she has become the habitation of devils. Amen. She is the hold of every foul spirit, a cage of ever unclean and hateful birds. And then the voice would scream out, come out of her, my people. Amen. My people, separate yourself. Come out of her. Amen. Trust not the unclean things. Don't be a part of that. Don't drink her wine. I've got a people. Even in all of this, I've got a people somewhere that's gonna hear my voice. Amen, that will rise up, that will be a womb that I can bring my life through. My power can be demonstrated through her. My glory can be shown upon her. Or my light will radiate through her. Revelation 17:18 gives a very sordid picture of this sleazy, immoral, foul, vulgar woman. the church. the church that would start out, like all do, a virgin. And yet... She's beautiful now to look on. She glories in her own self. We're the church, and she's arrayed in purple and scarlet, precious stones. She's got wealth and affluence. In fact, as no a matter, she controls a good part of the part of the population of the earth, billions. <laughs> And God has marked her as a as a harlot, as a whore, as Mystery Babylon the Great, the, whore, the Great whore, because she has incorporated the, the the ancient Babylonian worship with Christianity, and is a mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Amen. And her womb, out of her womb, instead of coming forth Christ, has come forth more harlots not sons and daughters of God but corrupted offspring for who dwells in her or her habitation in her habitation is a, a habitation of devils and a hold of every foul spirit and a cage of un, ever unclean and hateful birth listen i'm not preaching hate messages this morning i'm preaching the bible I am calling it the way the Bible calls it. Come on, are you with me now? Get rid of your political correct thinking just for a moment. Amen. Man, look at it from the Bible perspective—how God looks at it. Amen. I want you to see here: she is a she's a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. These birds are men and women. Let me read it from Jeremiah 5.25. Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholded good things from you. For among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait as he that sell the snares. They set a trap. They catch men. And as a cage full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore, they have become great and waxing rich. So, this woman is a false religion, a false church who's impersonating, making a false claim to be the queen of heaven. I said, as a queen. And the people that are caught in her trap of false religion, they too are religious people. Now, we're going to look at 2 Timothy 3 and 1 and down through those verses for a moment, but that this scripture describes her offspring and the condition of these religious people who are drunk on her wine, thinking that Jesus is going to take them to heaven in their sins. That's, her, that's her, the drink. They're not real believers. They are impersonators. The Bible was going to say, for as Janice and Jambres withstood Moses. So they were impersonators. These were m- impersonators. They will corrupt the truth. and he, So they're not real believers, but they're impersonators who withstood Moses. And so will these corrupt men re- resist the truth. Now, claiming to be the bride of Christ, yet, Here is the true condition of these impersonators. I want you to see. We're going to take the cover off of them. Let's see if they're without spot or wrinkle or blemish. 2 Timothy 3.1. This know also in the last days perilous times to come. This is going to be Matthew 24.24. It'll be so close to see the elect if it were possible. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. Didn't say they didn't love God. Said they love pleasures more. And they have a, because what? They're religious, next verse. They are religious, they have a form of godliness. They have a pretension. Amen, they, they're carrying themselves. I'm a believer in Christ, I've accepted his pardon. I, I'm his church, I'm a part of his body because I've drinking the wine of a church. Because see, they're drunk on it, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And then the same thing he says of the mother whore: "Come out of her, my people." He says this from such: "Turn away," Amen. because these are her offspring. Amen. That's right. Now another translation or paraphrase. this says, you need to be aware in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. Haven't we seen that? People will be self-centered lovers of themselves. Obsessed with money. They will boast of great things. They strut around with arrogant pride mock all things that are right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will be addicted to hateful and malicious slanders. That's called news. Are you with me? They're addicted to hateful and malicious slander. Amen. They're slaves to desire, slaves of porn, slaves of adultery and filth. They will be ferocious but belligerent haters of that which is good and right with brutal treachery. They will act without restraint, bigoted, wrapped in their clouds of their own conceit. They will find delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of the loving God. They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. Of such turn away, come out of her, my people. So you see, here is the conditions of the end time and its people. They will have a form of godliness, religious men, but deny the power thereof. And he says to them, of such turn away, like was said, a great whore, come out of her, my people, be not partakers with them. Notice now. And the word comes to them, Oh, they read the Bible like you do. They listen to gospel sermons. They listen and they cry with gospel songs. Amen. But the word comes to them, but not on good ground, not on prepared ground. And they have a form of godliness, but not deny the power thereof. By the way, I'm reading from wisdom versus faith. And and second Timothy said, you know, having a form of godliness you know denying the power thereof watch the Holy Spirit signs of eternal life they deny that amen. people ought to speak with tongues no no such thing as divine healing baptism of the Holy Ghost that stuff was for the apostles look, what, look where they are amen. amen they deny the power thereof amen. let me read again the signs Holy Spirit signs of eternal life they deny that people want to speak with tongues no no such thing as divine healing baptism of the Holy Ghost that stuff was for the apostles having a form Paul prophesied in the last days these things would take place not in, the, in them days but these days the spirit speaks expressly in the last days latter days some will depart from the faith and all these things and hear that, that there it is having a form of godliness Notice, religious, yet denying the power. I want you to hold this thought now because we are to come out from among that. They are covetous. Come on. They're not changed. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, still disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Oh, yeah, but Brother Tim, we've... we've, No, you're going to... But, but we have accepted the message and we know it's doctrines and when we, we got the Holy Ghost by believing. All right. All right. And yet there's still boasters and proud and blasphemers, disobedient to parents and unthankful and unholy and without natural affections and yes. truth breakers and false accusers and incontinent and fears and despisers of those that are good. Right. Wow. Amen. But a religious... Having a form of godliness, but yet they deny the power of the gospel to cleanse you. I'm going to dwell on this for a minute. A form of godliness, but no power to live it. They claim to be the church, but they're unclean and hateful birds. That condition, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, false accusers. How do we wind up here? People call themselves Christians, impersonators, as Janice and Jambres withstood the words of the true prophet of God. They are not offsprings of God. Come on. Amen. They are offsprings of a religious system or the society of a church. Amen, and they live sordid lives. But when it comes to Christ, they're not loyal to him. Amen, they're harlots with a blatant refusal to be loyal to Christ. Amen. Now, like I said, they'll, they'll, stay, they'll sit right there. Hey, they'll sit right there and defy you in a message church. Let me just bring it down to home. We can talk about Baptist, Methodist, and Presbyterian. Let's bring it right down here. Defy you. Defy. Withstand the vindicated prophet, and boys still wearing their shorts. Defy the prophet of God. Girls still wearing their makeup. Amen. Defy what the prophet of God said. Heady, high minded. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Go right on with their unholy, filthy dress. Amen, one that they can't get to cover a knee when they're standing or sitting too tight. Amen, trim their hair. Paint their nails. Weaves like a harlot. Because they are mirroring their birth and their mother. Because if they mirrored the mother of the word, they would be holy and without blemish. Before Him in love. The way back, Brother Branham said, "Number one killer is sin. Trouble, sin is number the number one killer, not heart trouble." Many say, "Brother Branham, you say these things too hard. We have to sin a little every day. We just got to." Someone said, "You know, Brother Branham, I hear you condemning smoking, and I do believe." And he says, "And I do believe men shouldn't smoke. I believe in holiness." cleanness throughout soul, body and spirit. And said, so, well we I we got to I got to just I just got to smoke. I just got to smoke a little. You know some you know, you know hey, hey don't go throwing eggs at me this morning. I have dealt with men who claimed this message and witnessed this message and testified of this message and claimed to be Holy Ghost filled and their anointing came by going out and smoking a joint of marijuana. Amen. So don't don't throw eggs at me. I know what I'm talking about. I'm not, We're not pretending. We're not being pretentious this morning. We're, we're exposing it. Amen. So, so many, we say, I, I've got to take a little social drink in order to hold my job. Others, you know, I've got to, uh, you know, it's my self-medication, my alcohol. I've got to have it, you know, to calm me down. You know, I've got a a habit there to cope with life's trouble. Don't tell me I just met a girl in the prayer line who was drinking because, you know, there was trouble in her marriage and adulteries that had taken place and, and she had turned to alcohol to calm herself. Yet she looked like a message person. Long hair, long dress, no makeup. We hear women say, I just got to cut my hair and wear my dresses up to date to keep my social standing in my church. If I don't, the women will say, I look too old. I just wonder how many, you know, are really, really thinking about modest apparel, but rather trying to look 25 years younger. Forgive me, I'm going to say this. This is Brother Branham. Forgive me, I'm going to say something. That's Pentecostal prostitution. That's right, the reason they do it is because they hadn't tried the inoculation. They hadn't tried God's serum for sin and these things. That's right, but now in Hebrews, it tells us a worshiper, once, once purged, he has no more conscience or otherwise, no more desire to sin. The whole thing's going from, and he says, there's no more, you don't have to sin every day. You don't have to do these things. You do it because you willfully want to. And the reason you willfully want to is because you never died to yourself. Oh, brother, I know that's scorching, but it's good when you die to yourself. You become a new creature. And then those things are gone. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And if you try to act like you got them before you have, it's like a blackbird trying to put peacock feathers in his wings say, look, I'm a peacock. He isn't. That's something he's stuck in himself. It has to grow from the inside out. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's not something you smear on or something like that. It's a new birth. You've got to be born again. And these virtues of the Holy Ghost have to come from the inside out. Listen now, and when the world and sin and cutting hair and painting comes out against the word of God, it shows the Holy Spirit is not there. That's a direct evidence. So what would you call it? Pentecostal prostitution. That's exactly right, committing spiritual to fornication with the God of heaven. What a shame and disgrace it is. Prostituting themselves. Looking at what a prophet of God said in, his, in the message, God's message to this end time, and then want to take and twist it. How did the church, who began as a virgin without spot or wrinkle, and was to produce Christ, bring forth such offspring? Now, Brother Brenham said the church was in that first stage was already a fallen woman. As Satan had got to Eve before Adam, even now Satan seduced the church, the bride of Christ, before the marriage supper of the Lamb. And what specifically was in her midst that caused the fall, what oh, but Revelation 2.6, the deeds of the Nicolaitan, already that first church had turned from following the pure word of God. And by the, so by the first age, the church had already begun to lose its first love. And the first seal, when it opens, it exposes the Antichrist. Amen. He, and, and he's riding, and notice, in his first ride, he's an impersonator of Christ. He's on a white horse. He has a bow, but no arrows. He has a bluff. Amen, he starts out as an insidious spirit progressing in a gradual way and as a slicker, moving the virtuous woman toward seduction. Now, Brother Branham in the second seal tells us what happened. You know, he he recaps what he preached in the first seal and brings it out in the beginning of the second seal. And he talks about how that a spirit come out of hell called Nicolaitanism. A Nicolaitan spirit, which means to conquer the laity. To take the power of God out of the church. Somebody with me now? Amen. And to conquer the laity, moving the little virgin church from her simple, uncultured, uneducated ways. Just as little humble girl and move her, push her now toward a woman of wealth and power, dressed in scarlet, purple, decked with gold and, 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 and precious stones and pearls. First, let me just describe it. And I'm going to give you the, the references to it in uh, paragraph 122 of the second seal and on down. But let me, let me just, for the sake of not just reading quotes, but just to put it in my own words. So first, this humble virgin girl, when the Holy Ghost fell, everybody began with everything in common. There were no big ones or little ones. There were great signs and wonders among them. I mean, there were prophecies and tongues. And interpretations, healings, miracles, discernments of spirits. Amen. Demons were cast out. Sins were cleansed. They were everyone baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. There were not three gods among them. There were not two lords. There was no confusion on Godhead. They served the one true and living God. Amen. They were zealous for God. And when they prayed, the building shook with the power of God, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They went about from house to house breaking bread. There was no unholiness, no uncleanliness among them. They were not ashamed of the manifestations of the Spirit. And then Satan started to murmur among them. Because as they testified of the God's great power, their rich masters and men of affluence Heard of the great work God was doing, and they wanted to dress it up. Soon, army captains and centurions and celebrities and dignitaries and men of wealth and affluence began to join in their members. And you know, when they embraced Christianity, you know that there it was hard for them, rich men. To go down to that old dingy, dark hall where they clap their hands, where they shout and speaking in tongues and getting messages. Now I'm quoting. Why he could never take his competitor, or his business associate, whatever it is, in his business. He can, you know, he'd never believe it like that. So he had to dress it up. So it begins very subtly first. There and and yet. There are those in that age that are actually commended for hating the deeds of the Nicolaitans, but then it comes in gradually as a doctrine, just moving them a little bit at a time, and soon joy was gone, shouting was gone, next earnest prayers were gone. People didn't pray no more. You know, then the gifts of the spirit were gone and there was no more speaking in tongues and divine healing was gone and miracles didn't exist anymore. Hello? This is how it came in that early church. Nicolaitans began to work and began with doctrine to take away the power of God. An experience with God would be would be substituted by accepting a doctrine. Well, I accept the message. I believe God sent a prophet. They lowered the bars and soon goats come in and took over. Unchanged. The cry of joy was gone, the freedom of the spirit was gone. Oh, they kept on they keep on with the form, but the fire had died down, and the blackness of ashes was about all that was left. You see, it was a Nicolaitan doctrine. It was called in the Bible Antichrist because it was against the original doctrine of Christ and His and His apostles. So it came against the moving of the Spirit. It came against shouting. It came against speaking in tongues. It came against listen, wanted to strip the church of power. Come on, somebody. And it embraced. Well, the gospel don't have the power to change you. So you got the Holy Ghost and you're still in porn. You got the Holy Ghost and you're still married two or three times. Amen. You got the Holy Ghost and you can still cheat business deals. You got the Holy Ghost and you can still be an alcoholic. But you got the Holy Ghost. Come on. You you got the Holy Ghost and you can still smoke a joint or you can do this or you can do that. What and first thing you know, the power is gone from the church. Instead of being a virtuous church without spot or wrinkle, it becomes a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Don't hang up on me, I ain't half through. Nicolaitan means to conquer the laity, to remove the power of God from the lay people. Put it all upon a ministry. Listen to the words of your prophet. Paul saw it coming. He warned him about the subtle priesthood that would come and take over with his false doctrines. He knew they would implement a way of worship that excluded the people from any part in a Holy Spirit ministry. Listen, a way of worship that excludes the people from any part in a Holy Spirit ministry. And even right today among those who claim to be free and full of the Spirit, there's not too much freedom in the laity. And the best we can find is a few preachers with inspired preaching while the flock just sits there and tries to absorb it. Now watch the Spirit today. Look what it produces. Look what it wants to do by by educating, by uh, somebody help me now. Men I mean, pray for me really hard right now. What's that spirit today? We, you know, comes in hardly an amen in the church. Yes. Youth, they can't have a revival. No. Amen. The gifts are the, you know, the, 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 the spirit of God or the spirit of, of the naked Nicolaitan is don't want the, the laity of the church to have the gifts of the spirit. Speaking in tongues is forbidden. Prophecy is despised. Altar calls are forbidden. Amen. For that demon, somebody listen, don't want the seeker to receive an experience with God, but instead just receive a knowledge imparted through and from a teacher. And no, you are not allowed to shout. Only the preacher can do that from the pulpit and only then when he's angry. And when you do that, you're fast on your way to proving yourself as an offspring of the great whore. That's right. You're starting to fit in a different category than the bride of Christ. Balaam. You see... Brother Branham said this about, and we're going to speak about Balaam in just a minute, but let me take you this quote. He said, you see, if you take away the word of God in the moving of the spirit as a means of worship, they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. Then you have to give people another form of worship as a substitute. And that substitution spells Balaamism. If you take away the word of God and the moving of the spirit as a means of worship. They that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. Then you will have to give the people another form of worship as a substitute. And that substitution spells Balaamism. Now, Balaamism was what was called in the Old Testament in the New Testament it's called Nicolaitanism. Because again, Balaam, his design was to keep the people from the promised land where there's healing, miracles, signs, wonders, real deliverance, true salvation. Now, in the Old Testament, there was this nation who wanted to keep Israel out of her land. So Balak sent Balaam to talk her out of what she had. And Balaam looked down upon, listen now, looked down upon Pentecostal people. Hello, Balaam, who looks down on Pentecostal people today. Amen, yeah, Pentecostal people, because Israel had covenant with God and married him at Sinai uh, at Pentecost. They were the first Pentecostals and a marriage took place 50 days after the Passover and Balaam looked down upon that woman Israel and she's not denominated but she has a pillar of fire with supernatural signs. She has a smitten rock. She has divine healing and she has the shout of the king. Amen. I'll tell you this, we had that before the prophet left us. Amen, we had that in the 40s, we had that in the 50s, we had that in the 60s. And I'm gonna say that today there's a church that has that right here in this last day, right here in the end time. Hallelujah. But you see, he didn't want them Pentecostal people to get in their promised land and receive their inheritance. So he tried cursing them. And all he could do was get God to bless them. Amen. I, you know, I've had men come along and try to curse me, literally, try to call curses down to heaven, and I just laugh at them and mock them and say, curse on man. Curse them because the more you curse, the more God's going to bless me. Amen. But again, you know, here he tried cursing them and God kept blessing him. And he said, but he finally figured out I know how to get him to fall. And what he couldn't do by cursing, he did it by telling them, oh, but we're all one. Yes. And you really don't need that pillar of fire with signs and wonders. And divine healing, you see, that was for another age. And, and the shout of the king, you don't need that. Let me dress you up and make you more dignified. You see, because we, we, we believe all that too, but we're more dignified. You know, now, Balaamism is a subjection of the people to their system of creed and worship in order to hold them. Listen again. Balaamism is a subjection of the people to their system of creed and worship in order to hold them. Now, in the Pergaman age, Brother Brandon said, Moses or Moab represented the Nicolaitans. Now, just a minute. Israel represented the true church. Balaam was one of the bishops, the popes. Now we see carnal Christianity. Now we'll notice he was gifted. There was no doubt about it. Many of them are fine speakers and doctors of philosophy and great men, you can't deny that, but having a form of godliness, but denying the power there. Go back to that original Pentecost. Don't get away from there. If you do, you are lost, stay with that blessing. That's the, the blesser of the blessing. So, what he was trying to do was move them away from the spirit moving to man's leadership. Now, let's go back to this lewd woman just for a moment. She's a church that's impersonating, claiming to be the church. She's the queen of heaven, pretending to be the bride of Christ. And remember, that's how the Antichrist started his ride, pretending. He was on a white horse impersonating Christ, a bow with no arrows. Now in the first seal, Brother Branham tells us this. He said, he's a bluff. This is the this is first seal. He's a bluff. He has no power. You say, the power of the church. Where is it at? What do they do? They say, we're the original church. The original church cast out devils, healed the sick, Raised the dead, saw visions, everything else. Words of that now. See, he's a bow with no arrows. You see, again, he has a form of godliness, but he denies the power. So don't you see how the Antichrist spirit wants to reduce us to a powerless religion? Because what? God hates a powerless religion. Come on. Amen, are you with me? He hates a Horace Church. Who oh, said, Brother Tim, he don't hate the Horace, he hates the Horace Church. And he will burn her with fire. Read the Bible. He will stone her with stones like a prostitute. Come on now, we're talking about Jesus of the New Testament. God hates a powerless religion. It's got to have power. It's got to have power to save a man from sin. It's a power that can do signs and wonders. Miracles as Jesus promised. You see, you zero in on the word of God, and they zeroed on it back there and believed it hit the target. You zero the same way on the word of God, it'll hit the target again. Because it's got to, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God don't like a powerless religion. God don't want that. God wants to perform. God wants to show himself alive. Yeah, our hopes is a resurrection, is that right? Our hopes is of life is resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, God wants to work in his church. Yes. Jesus said, I'll be with you always to the end of the world. The works that I do shall you do also. Yep. Right. So he's a bluff, right. but we're not bluffing. Absolutely. We're Christians, come on. Amen. We're overcoming, somebody help me now. We are conquering And in the true church, devils are cast out. Hallelujah, the sick are healed, visions are shown. Amen, our bow has arrows, and it'll hit the target. If it hit it 2000 years ago, he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen, and it'll hit the target again, and again, and again. But you can't hit a target with no arrows. We're not bluffing as Christians. We're overcoming and conquering. Amen. Our flesh. Amen. Now, wait a minute. We're not just talking about on one side supernatural things because many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have I not cast out devils in your name? And they're still workers of iniquity. So some work iniquities do believe in miracles. And other workers of iniquity don't. But neither one of them live it. Are you with me? Amen. But notice, in the true church, the devil has to be cast out. As I've said, this has got to be the number one thing that we do as a body of Christ. Cast Satan out. Cast him out of lives. Cast sin out. Come on, somebody, amen. Cast every demon of alcohol, tobacco, amen. drugs. Yes, sir. Amen. Come on, the spirit that wants to come long hair on men and short hair on women, cast out them devils out. Amen. amen, the sick must be healed. Yes, Visions must be shown. Yes. Amen, our bow has to have arrows. But our flesh also has to be made submissive. And it's true. I want to talk about this for a moment. Your flesh is unconverted. Oh, yeah. And still has sinful tendencies. It still can be tempted. It wants to doubt. Amen. Brother Branham would, would, would pray every day, God, forgive me of my sins. What was it? Doubting. Unbelief of every kind of form coming and warring against you. We're in a battle. Amen. We're in a battle. Amen. Amen. You see, and we have a flesh here that, that has a tendency that is pulled toward doubting. Fear. Fear has torment. It's the opposite of faith. Even Jesus, after receiving the Holy Ghost, was tempted of the devil with all kinds of temptations against his flesh. Is that right? And as long as you have this life, as long as you're in this life, and I'm quoting Brother Branham here, you are going to have a, be sticky and have a carnal nature that's going to bother you as long as you live. But the inside of you you're born again. And when you're raised up, you're in the likeness of Christ and all sin is gone from you. Hallelujah. Let me tell you though, though the body is weak, though the flesh is unconverted, the Holy Ghost is greater than the weakness of your flesh and it will keep you in the hour of temptation. And I'm telling, I'm telling you, we are not bluffing. We are real warriors against the devil. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah! You cast down imaginations. You cast down wrong thoughts. You cast down wrong tempers. Come on, church! You, you, you cast down your the, your your wrong passions. You cast down your fears. You're in a battle, and it's a battle. But you're not a loser. You're a winner. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, you're a new creature. Your desires and ambitions are of heaven. You mean you've changed from a cocklebird to a wheat. Your desires are the same as, it same as it once was. And you display the token. You don't display sin. You display the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And Brother Branham said, "And you say, and I believe that, and still sin. And now nah, you're deceived. It can't d- display nothing but the token. The token has to be on display, not 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 all of these other things that we read about: lovers of their own selves, and hating, and high-minded, and treasures, and lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Your life, your new life, does not display porn, sex abuse, filth." Drinking, smoking, dope. It's a conquer. It can't display nothing but the token. Amen. Now, if you're displaying the other, you need to get born again. Amen. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the life I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Amen. Flesh. Here's how it is of those that live by the flesh. 2 Peter 2, 14. Have an eyes full of adultery. Cannot cease from sin. Beguiling unstable souls. A heart which have exercised covetous practices. Cursed children which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam. Who taught you know? Who taught Israel to sin to fornication and idolatry, saying my Israel and Moab was all the same people serving the same God and could just mix together. We're not the same. No, Come on, church, Amen. We do not have the message of the Horus system. The Horus system says you can't help but be a traitor, heady, high-minded. You can't, you can't help but live this way, why? Your mother, amen, you've taken on her spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. So you're a harlot like she's a whore. Come on somebody, amen, but not the church of Jesus Christ. She is a virtuous, blood washed, bride of Jesus Christ, a virgin. She is washed by the washing of the water by the word. She knows her God and she does exploits. Hallelujah. I'm talking to young people who are doing exploits. Amen. That the gods of porn, they will not bow down to. The gods of a fornication and adultery. All of these games and everything else that will steal away your time. You're not a slave to it. Hallelujah. Amen. Why? You don't serve their gods. You don't belong to the whore system. That's their children. That's how they do. That's what kind of offspring she has. Amen. But the true offspring of the word of God brings forth the life of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, the Bible said that how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So why are we, why are we advocating living and owning sin? The Bible said in Romans six six, knowing our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. There's a people that don't serve sin. Amen. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Amen. Romans six twelve, let there let sin therefore uh, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that it should obey the lust thereof. It goes on to say for sin shall not have dominion over you because being made free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. The desire of sin is gone. Hallelujah. Amen. You don't want to be like that. You want to be more like Jesus. Right? Amen. The message of the gospel is to prove to the world that he's living. Not 2,000 years ago, but living. Where? In bright form, in his people. Hallelujah, amen, it's the light in the evening time. Amen, where he says, I'll prove to my disciples I'm not dead, but I'm alive. I'm so living in them people. They're not slaves to sin anymore. They're not slaves to unbelief anymore. They're not slaves to fear or doubt. Come on, somebody. Amen. They are freeborn. They're children of the free woman. They are not bondswomen. Amen. They are not prostitutes. They are not whores. They are not harlots. They are virgins to the word of God. They prove that his life is in them. Hallelujah. And you can't do that just by word only. It comes with power and great assurance. Amen. It's not a make-believe gospel. It's not a denominational fiction. Oh, God's going to take us all in heaven. Just say, Jesus, I, I'm sorry for my sins. Okay, you're, you're saved and going to heaven. Your life's got to be changed. You've got to die to sin. Amen. You can't continue on. As Brother Branham told us, and I just say, it's a problem worldwide. It's a problem worldwide. I, I, I want to say it's a problem even in this church. I'm afraid to admit today many of us are not getting the people to Christ. We're getting them to church, to a theory. But we must get them to Christ. He's the only one, and the only one that has life. He, has, he that has the son has life. Amen. And he said, I'm afraid of this. And I'll tell you what, just, just stand with me sometimes in prayer lines with people. When when sin becomes exposed, and devils there are, 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 are being exposed, and people realize, I need Christ, I need help. And they come up in prayer lines and sins are exposed and trouble, and everything else. And you'll find out we haven't got them to Christ. We got them to the church. We got them to a theory. We got them to believe God sent a prophet maybe. Maybe. But we never got them to Christ. Their lives are still unchanged. But it's a life of a dead man be projecting you, you'll live the same kind he lived. For life of another. And if your spirit is reckoned dead and the life of Christ comes in you, how can you help but live the life of Christ? So I'm going to say there has to be a virgin bride. The people of the resurrection prepared to meet the bridegroom. And God left it for this age for there to come a bride without spot. Somebody with me now? Not an immature girl like in the days of Luther. Not a preteen like in the days of Wesley. Not a teeny bopper like the Azusa movement infatuated and dazzled with gifts and not to give her. Amen. But a mature elect lady ready and willing to take on his name and unashamed of anything that he has. His name, his identity, his gifts, his miracles, his signs, his wonders. Come on, one who has his identity. You know, remember this lewd woman of Revelation 17 blasphemes his name by rejecting it as the only name of salvation. Come on, he said he carried me into the spirit into the wilderness. I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet-colored star, beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. There it was. This, this one was full of names of blasphemy. These would be a, there would be a departure from the faith in these perilous times, and these religious men with forms of godliness would be blasphemers by claiming the name of Christ and not departing from iniquity. Names of blasphemy. Brother Bradham told us, he said, names mean something. He said, don't name your child Ricky or Elvis or something like that. He said, you know, it's a, it's a name for this day. It goes, uh, you know, it means something. So well, a name means nothing. He said, well, why did he change Abram's name to Abraham? And why did he change uh, Saul's name to Paul? And why did he change Simon's name to Peter? And why did he change his own name? Why did he change Jacob to Israel? Not until he wrestled with the Lord, not until he overcome. But when Jesus overcome death, hell, and the grave, the Bible said he had a new name. Amen. He was the conqueror. And he said, if the church can overcome, she will stop saying, I'm Methodist, Baptist, and Presbyterian. Are you with me now? If the church can overcome, she'll quit trying to identify her as little groups of two souls and Perusia and seven thunders and this and that and the other. I'm Methodist, I'm Baptist and Presbyterian. You see, these are are defined in the Bible as blasphemous names. Or names of blasphemy. Because to be called anything other than the name of your bridegroom is the marking of a headless woman, a harlot. But she, as a virgin bride, receives a name change. Hallelujah. This is why when we water baptize, we take on his name. We are buried in his name. We rise in his name. Everything we do in word and deed, we do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. She's a virgin bride who receives his name. Notice, when she can overcome her creeds and the world that's drawn her in there, she'll come back. To be in the bride of Jesus Christ, Miserous Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, you see, they've taken on names of blasphemy. Remember, we're only to have his name. But they take on names of blasphemy. Like a grafted lemon living in the life of an orange tree is an orange tree, but it's bearing lemons. So, but he said, every time that tree gets a year older, puts forth a new branch, it puts forth more oranges. If the vine puts forth its branch, and what we tried to do is we joined members into him and live under the name of Christianity because it's a common way of saying we are the citrus fruit, the Christian church. But when the vine itself puts forth a vine, it'll be like the first vine it put forth. If the first vine it put forth, they wrote a book of Acts behind it. If, if it, if it puts, ever puts forth another one, it'll write another book of Acts behind it. Right, so you're only joining lodges. When you're born of the vine, you got a fruit. And you got a fruit, what do you do with it? You have a form of godliness denying the power thereof. So they deny the fruit. You see, instead of bringing forth oranges, they're bringing forth another life. And so he says, you deny signs, I'm quoting your prophet, you deny wonders, you deny the Holy Ghost, you deny speaking in tongues, you deny visions, you deny prophecies, you deny healing, and yet, you call yourself a name. No wonder the Holy Ghost said a power, a group of people full of blasphemous names, sure calling themselves Christians with forms of godliness, but denying the power. From such, what were we commanded? Turn away. Come out of her, my people. Amen. Oh, my. Notice he opens his mouth in blasphemy teaching for doctrines and commandments of man, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, having a form of godliness, denying the power thereof, blaspheming the name of God, changing that name to titles, refusing to do otherwise. Amen. As Delilah, a harlot, betrayed Samson, I, let me tell you, that spirit will betray you. Don't lay your head down in her lap. Are you with me? Are you hearing me even across the land today? Don't lay your head down in her lap. No, sir, it'll convince you that you can't live an overcoming life. It will point to your flesh and say, well, you know, but you're still tempted and, and you have a temper and you have bad thoughts and unbelief and, and and you have to repent. Sure you do your flesh is not converted, but it's no longer your ruler. Amen, for we walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Say, yeah, it's a black dog, but it's a defeated black dog. And we don't pet it, and we don't feed it, and every day we crucify it. Hallelujah, don't deny the power of the gospel that you can live an overcoming life. You see, when you do that, that empowers the black dog. Amen. Don't, don't, are you with me now? That will empower the black dog. Let me tell you, feed on the right things. Shun the appearance of evil. Repent turning from your beastly flesh and giving lordship to the one who is filthy. uh, But give our lordship to the one who is king of kings and lord of lords. Amen. We're not filthy whores who can't live right. We have the power of God under salvation. Hallelujah. He'll have a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Delilah's looking for the power to turn us into a powerless people. He's always, she's always with trying, probing here, trying there to find the secret of her power. I'll tell you what the secret of his power was, was his covenant with God. It was shown in the sign of seven locks. Nazarite vow. Are you with me? Amen. And when she cut off them locks, she cut off his power. When you cut off your covenant with God, come on. Amen, because you're to be a virgin church. When you cut off that covenant with God and you lose your prayer life, Amen, and the, and the Holy Spirit is absent from the church, and there's no shout of the king there no more, and there's no more glorious to God's and hallelujahs and thank you Jesus anymore, and there's no more divine healing and miracles and signs and wonders in the church anymore. That's the devil, that's Delilah cutting off your locks, separating yourself from your covenant with God that gives you power, power over unclean spirits. Unclean spirits that makes you live a filthy, dirty life. Brother Branham said, "She, Delilah. And I just want to say, I wonder if it happened, hasn't happened again and again. And it just keeps repeating. She's tipped the cup of her fornication into the mouth of God's church that's been raised up to show his signs and wonders as Jesus' last commandment was to do in Mark 16. And we find she's taken God's little faithful group and organized them together. That's exactly like like the way he did herself. And she's got them standing stripped, denying the power thereof, denying the Holy Spirit, denying the power to speak with tongues, denying the power of the Holy Spirit to raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out devils. And now the Philistines are on us. But in the midst of all of that, when Israel was rising and there she was coming out of Babylon and here she would be such a lewd woman, she would actually hang her husband on a cross and crucify him. But in the midst of all of that, God raised up a virgin. A Zachariah and a Elizabeth and a Mary and a Joseph and an Anna and a Simeon and shepherds on the hill. Hallelujah. In the midst of all of that, God found him a little virgin group of people who would bring forth the Messiah, who would bring forth Christ. Hallelujah! And that's what God's looking for today is a womb, a womb that he can bring his life in. not that's also bringing out another perverted life, but a church without spotter Rico. Amen. Think of that. The Bible said they walk with him in white for they are worthy. It's the bride of the book of Acts reintroduced. This bride has been seen by vision, and we're coming. Oh, yeah. If we're not here, we're coming. Yeah. If we're not there, if we're still, some of us, come on now, yeah. amen, that's out of step, we're coming. Yeah. If some of us aren't marching yet to the tune of the gospel, we're coming. Yeah. Yeah. Amen, we're, we're coming. Come on, church. Yeah. If some of us have got out of step, we're coming. There's some hope here this evening. A vision has placed you in a promise. You've been seen in a vision. This is greater than Bill Dow going down to the Blue Boy restaurant and seeing shaking Brother Brown's hand and coming to life out from under an oxygen tent, well and healthy to live for many more years. After that, as a 90-year-old man, this is more than that vision. God had a vision of you hallelujah he saw the church as a pure virtuous bride start out in the beginning holy walking in step amen into the tune of the gospel onward christian soldier never backwards always onward 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 he saw her degenerate he saw her become as she moved into Europe and become the Lutheran and the Presbyterian and the Protestant churches and all of this, and saw her there, and she become a lewd woman, Amen. but not as lewd as the last one. Finally, he sees her coming down, and she's naked completely. Got a little something gray holding in her front, dancing to the tune of rock and roll, a denier of the power of God, led by a witch. Come on. Amen. Amen. And he said, and I thought, God, after all that I've done, after all that I've preached, and this is the best I have to offer you. And he said, all of a sudden, when I was about to faint, I heard that same music come again. And I looked and I saw the same one that was in the beginning start coming, rising up over the hill. Coming into view. One was viewed in the past and the other was viewed in the future. I saw a bride in preview. I have already seen you there. I see a people coming. She's out of every nation. She's out there a kindred and tongue and people. Amen. She is a a bride. She's a holy little woman and she's walking in step with thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And if she gets out of line, friend, she's not going to be cast away. The prophet's voice will say, come back in. Get back in line. Stay in step. You can have the Holy Ghost. You can have the power of God. You can have divine healing. You can have Speaking in tongues, you can have every promise of God. Our young people can have a revival. The child of the King can be in the camp. Amen. Because she will be a virtuous bride without spot or wrinkle. Hallelujah! I say Hallelujah! I say Hallelujah! We have been saved in the vision. We are part of the divine promise. And no word of his will ever fall to the ground. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. There's a bride coming in the display. Displaying the token. Displaying his life. Displaying his power. A virtuous bride. The lamb's wife. Amen. Behold, the lamb's wife. Hallelujah, no longer just a bride, no longer a little girl, the lamb's wife, and she's bone of his bone, and flesh of his flesh, and life of his life, and power of his power, she's him. Hallelujah. And she's got a womb and she bringing forth children and they're actually 38 blabbering, screaming, youngins. Amen, and it's embarrassing some of the preachers to death because they can't stand these unethical oh, little kids there screaming and shouting. Amen, hallelujah. But it's the only kind the word can bring forth. The prostitute will bring forth her hoard. The prostitute will bring forth wrong living. The prostitute will bring forth ungodly people. But the word will bring forth a pride without spot, without a wrinkle, without a blemish. <laughs> hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. He's created you to be a womb, a church in the last day. to bring him forth again. Hallelujah. Come, you musician, I can't preach anymore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I've been seen in the vision. The bride will have thus saith the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. She won't speak her own mind. She has his potential. She does only his will. These were spoke of the virgin. And every word that was spoken of the virgin is being fulfilled in the bride. It was spoken of Sarah, is being fulfilled. And Rebecca is being fulfilled. Write down, come on. All of them that spoke of the bride is being fulfilled in the virgin. Let us be glad and let us rejoice. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. And unlike the first church, his bride has made herself ready. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Worship him just a moment, will you? Give him praise. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, Lord just cleanse me today. Make me a virgin to this word. Let my life and let my heart be a womb that your seed life can come through. Amen, that you produce Jesus Christ the same, yesterday, today, and forever, hallelujah.